you as the business owner can begin to commit and create a, a systems culture. I, I had a, a client recently, I asked him, I said, okay, what specifically is taking all of your time? And instead of pointing out a specific activity, he began describing to me, he said, I'm the best person who has a knowledge both of the industry as well as how to deal with a customer. The team usually calls me in and I'm the one who's able to talk through the, the customer. And what, what I heard was he had trained his team. He had created a culture where he was the escalation department and he had trained his team to always come to him for escalations. This is Going Boldly. The podcast. Here's your host, Russ the Big Guy. Hi, it is Russ the Big Guy. I'm a lifelong entrepreneur who is very familiar with the struggles and successes related to running a business. I know it is definitely worth the struggle. The freedom and unlimited potential keep me moving forward, fueled by my why. Aligned with that is my desire to share with you, the entrepreneur and aspiring business owner, entertainment, information, inspiration, and even transformation into an even more amazing entrepreneur and human. To those ends, please enjoy this episode of Going Boldly. Hey, it is Russ here. I am up in the Penthouse Podcast Studio. It's turned cold here in the southern tier of New York State. I'm not a fan, <laughs> just going to say. Uh, everything's dying. The foliage here has been beautiful, actually. We had such a wet summer. Everything grew like crazy, including everything that had pollen in it, because I've been suffering since, I don't know, beginning of August, I guess. I don't know. Towards the end of summer there, usually it's the short ragweed for me and God knows what else, but man, it was crazy bad. Um, granddaughter went back to school, uh, or I should say granddaughter started preschool and uh, brought home cold, two colds already from school. So we passed that all through the family. Uh, so if I sound a little stuffy today, that's the reason. <laughs> um, but uh, we're going to motor through and do our best for you, the listener, because uh, that's why we're here. All right, we're going to help you guys out, uh, all you aspiring business owners, you entrepreneurs, uh, budding entrepreneurs. we got some good stuff for you today. So one, one of the great benefits that I have been privileged to experience uh, as a result of this podcast are the amazing people that I get to meet. And little did I know that there were going to be so many of them who had so much uh, information and um, offered so much friendship. So this is really exciting. And I have another one of those people today. Please welcome our guest for today's episode, Joseph Newton. Welcome, Joe. Hey, Russ. Good to be here, man. All right, good. Thank you for coming. Listeners, Joe bills himself as a consultant and an encourager. We're going to find out more about that. Uh, he helps entrepreneurs create systems and processes, and we're going to definitely find out more about that, Now, especially if you're a creative, I think, which I am one of. Now, we do not love systems and processes. We do not like boundaries. We do not like to be uh, hemmed in by rules and regulations. So <laughs> I am going to quiz, <laughs> I'm going to quiz you, Joe, on exactly how this, this concept of making systems and processes can be beneficial uh, for our other creatives who are listening out there and everybody else, of course, too. So, so what have you been up to lately, Joe? What's going on? Well, lately, you know, we were both just talking on the personal front, uh, about uh, dealing with with colds in our households, and yeah. I have a, a toddler in mine. 
<coughs> and you have a cold I'll take a as rest well. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I might just, <coughs> I hear you. I might just leave that in because <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> no, sorry. Well, that was more, uh, I, I tried to take a, a, a drink real quick so I could clear my throat and that wouldn't happen. Yeah. Uh, but it went down the wrong pipe. So. Understood. Uh, yeah. So outside of dealing with with colds in my house, uh, I'm I'm really blessed in that I I've gotten to work with some really awesome people right now in my my business. And uh, I, as you kind of mentioned, part of my my passion is is systems, and and empowering entrepreneurs, even the creative ones, to uh, be able to get free from their day to day operations so that they can focus on on what they're they're best at and. I have some really awesome people I'm I'm working with right now, and that's that's been really fun. Oh yeah, good. So that was what I was going to ask you. Like, with whom do you consult, and then what do you encourage? Because you, <laughs> <laughs> you you said you're a consultant and encourager. Yeah. So the the consulting part is mostly I, I work with small businesses, and and for me, what that means is businesses usually that have at least three to five employees, all the way up to around forty or fifty employees, is, is kind of my niche, if you will, of, of who I work with the most. And, and I help them figure out how to systematize their business. And most of the time that happens by getting the business outer, uh, outer getting the business owner out of the process as much as possible. Really? Uh, because, well, if you think about it, most business owners that, that you and I probably know are those visionaries, right? They have a wow. hundred different ideas of, of things to do. And they're, uh, I'm in Texas, so I, I like the analogy of that uh, gunslinger yeah. uh, visionary. Yeah. So they, they've got tons of tons of ideas and they're not afraid to, to jump out there to take action. But because of that, they're usually the worst person to systematize their, their business. Wow. They're, it's like, it's like you're you in know, my, it's like you're in my head, Joe. <laughs> it's a good place to be it's like you're, it's like you're well maybe on, on most days uh it's like you're uh, looking over my shoulder <laughs> yeah because i i mean as a as a business owner what 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 got us to where we are today it was we were willing to take that step going from analysis paralysis to actually doing the the stuff if you will and it was also that we had this vision this dream and we're also usually really good connectors we're, we're able to build those those relationships for for sales or other business relationships and as we're doing all of these different things we usually don't have a ton of time to as the saying goes work on our business as opposed to being in our business so for a myriad of reasons yeah usually the the business owner is one of the worst people to create systems and and much less uh, create documentation for those systems. Yeah. So once you get that person out of the way, what does this look like? I'll give you sort of a, an analogy or a model that, that I use, which is kind of helpful in, in giving perspective. So I, I call this the the four stages of, of business systemization. So if you imagine a pyramid and at the bottom of that pyramid, we have our, our base, which is the biggest area of the pyramid. And that that first stage is called the survival stage. And this is the one that, that we all go through. So when you're first starting a business, it's it's like firefighting. You're putting out fires. When it comes to systems, there's there's nothing there. You know, everyone is is making things up as they go. And if you ask them, hey, should we create a process? 
they hate processes. It's a four letter word, literally uh, and figuratively in in that, that level. Yeah. Cause who Um, has, who has time to make a process? You're trying to keep the house from burning down. Exactly. And and so many businesses when, when they're starting off, it's proof of concept. You're trying to figure out, does this thing actually work? Right. Right. And, and so during that, that, that first stage, my biggest observation is seeing that the business owner becomes the biggest bottleneck. And, and that's because everything has to, has to go through them, uh, whether it is client relationships or decisions in the business. But that next stage up the the pyramid stage number two, I, I call the stationary phase. And, and this is where the business begins to, to level out. So maybe they've start to get an answer to their leads problem. So it's a little bit more consistent. But as far as systems go, you, you might have hired some key individuals in your business, but everything is either stored in those key team players or stored in the, in the, the business owner's head. So most likely, if I'm talking to a business owner who's in this stage and, and I ask them, like, hey, do you have a system for this? They'll say, oh, yeah, of course we have a, a sales system. And I'll say, well, where do you have that documented? And the answer will be one of two places. Either it's in their heads or if we're at their desk, I'll see that there are sticky notes all over the place. There, there's a sticky note with, with user information on their, in their monitor. There's client information that's on a sticky note on their desk. And, and there's lots of little notes everywhere. Wow, you have so been looking very... over my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, for, for better or worse, uh, I mean, we, we got to keep the stationary you know, uh, industry in, in business somehow uh, with all this digital stuff. But uh, at, at this stage, we're, we're, we're highly person dependent. And, and when it comes to systems, since we have more stability at this point, some people are open to it and some people are, are not. And, and this is where I, I'd like to, to give everyone who's listening, if, if what I've kind of described is where you are at this point, th- there's one action that I would encourage you to take, whether you're the, the solopreneur or you, you have a handful of key employees that you've brought on, whether that's an admin or salesperson, whoever, the one action you can take in this stage to get you to the next level would be to extract that knowledge. So start to identify what those key systems, those mission critical systems are. Don't don't try to do it all. Identify what that, you know, 80-20, what that 20% of the systems or processes are within your business and just extract those. And and extraction, when I say that, what I what I mean is is something simple. If you have an onboarding process, you maybe you have a, a CRM that you put a new client into. If it's something that you do more than once, record yourself doing it the next time and talk through as though you're training someone. So you're going to be doing that activity anyway. So just record it, record your screen, and then talk out loud. Say, hey, I go over here to this. I open this box. I drag this here. I put this information from this email that I get here. And then just talk through it. And now... Now you have a system that is technically documented. And if you start saving and, and what we'll do later is organize that, it's going to help you to where you can bring on someone else and you can now give them an example of how to do that system to the level that you do it. And you begin to have a, a measurement to, to go up against. So that, that would be the one thing I would say if you're in that stationary phase is just begin to identify and extract those systems from yourself or your 
your team members. Does that make sense? That makes great sense. And I think that this might be a critical time for an entrepreneur um, making a transition from a business leader who can really concentrate on, like you said, the, the vision of the company and some of the higher level things and passing off, trusting, uh, having to trust other people, yeah. other people to be able to take on some of the responsibility. And, and I think you just hit the, the nail on the head when you said trust, because that's, that's one of the biggest issues I, I think that, that entrepreneurs and, and business owners have when it comes to, to scaling their business or uh, systematizing it is saying, how can I trust that someone else is going to do this as well as I do? And it begins with that is simply documenting what you do. Let your ceiling become someone else's floor. So if you have a measurable of this is how I want it done, and you can clearly articulate that to someone, and, and what better way in 2021 than to show them a specific example, uh, then you now have begin to have something to, to measure them against, to, to measure the standard by. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so that was number two. The stage number three is is the the sexy one is is the one that uh, all the book titles come from. So yeah. it's the scalable phase. So you you have scaling up. You have you know built the last. All all these books talk about having a a scalable business. And when I talk about this through the systemology lens, if you will, this is where you you've begin to be able to to break through some of those barriers that you hit. That, that you just couldn't quite find that that break in. That there were ceilings, the glass ceilings. That's the word I'm looking for. And you've been able to break through some of those. So when it comes to your systems, you've began to partially document. So you, you might have a sales system over here. You've extracted the onboarding system over here. You have a training system there. But all of those documentations and, and systems and processes and procedures, it, it's probably a very clunky solution. At this stage, when, when I go into a business and I look around, I see a lot of Google Docs or OneDrive or Dropbox folders. And to, to find a specific uh, a system, they might have to go to Google Drive then go to a file that says systems and processes, then go to marketing, then go to Facebook, then go to this, 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 this. And then there's a, a document here, but to find the email template, I might have to go to a totally different document and define the HR documentation. Well, that's actually a physical document. So it's, it's very clunky in its execution. And as far as the team goes, it's, it's constant reminding. You're, you're constantly having to say, hey, remember, this is the way we do it. Hey, remember, this, this is our system for that. So the key activity that we can take in this stage is to organize. Is we take all of those systems and processes and figure out, okay, if we organize this, how can we take away as much friction as possible? It, it's in the same way that um, if you are ready to buy a product, I'm sure you've probably gone to a website and you're like, man, I am ready to buy this. I'm excited for this toy. And you go there and you click buy and they say, great, give us your email. And you give them your email and they say, okay, there was an email sent to you. Now click that and schedule a call. And you go there and you schedule a call and there's like eight different steps. And you're like, listen, I'm ready to give you my money now. But because you made me go through all these steps, I think I'm done and I'm going to go somewhere else. It's the same way for, for our teams. If, if we have a bunch of friction in front of them from 
getting to the information of our systems and processes, they're not going to want to actually utilize it on the day-to-day. So organizing is the key activity that we can do during the scalable phase. Well, I think everybody understands that. And by the way, you just gave away that you're a dad because you were going to buy a toy. Right. Of all the possible options he chose. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we did just buy uh, his Christmas already and have had to hide it twice because he keeps finding it and he's only two. So (laughs) uh, please pray for us for the future years. (laughs) (laughs) Will do. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Number four. Number four. So this is what I usually call the sellable, though I'm leaning towards more calling this the the buyable phase because I, I did have the realization that you can stick a for sale sign on anything but that doesn't necessarily mean that someone would actually pay money for it. So stage number four is the, the sellable slash viable uh, level or phase. Got it. And, and at this time, we finally got our core systems. They're completely documented. When it comes to performance, we're running like a Swiss, Swiss watch. And when it comes to culture with, with buy-in, we're no longer having to constantly remind everyone but the, the phrase, this is how we do things here, is, has become part of the, the culture within our business. And, and I would argue or encourage most business owners that this is really the phase, whether you decide that you want to sell your business or not, you should endeavor to get your business to this place because it gives you options to where you can bring in an operator to, to run the day-to-day and you can focus on whatever it is you do best, whether that's spending time with your family or sales, or if it is building culture or being the visionary, whatever it is, getting to the saleable or buyable phase gets you to a place where you have the most options. And and at this phase, the the one action if I can give you just one to, to focus on at this point, would be to, to optimize. So now that you have everything systematized and 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 now you're beginning to, to fine tune it, to optimize it so that you can reach whatever your personal specific goals are for you, your family, and your business. So what does it look like at this point? Do we have a physical manual that everyone has, is given? Is, uh, is there something in a library? Is it a digital? Is it all of the above? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a great Great question. What what I usually encourage people to do is at least have two types of simple software. One of those would be some sort of systems organization software. So a, a piece of software that is specifically designed, something like a, a process street or system hub. It, it's a, a software that's designed for organizing your systems, processes, and, and policies and procedures. And it's got to be cloud-based. So in, in our current age, having a physical file just really isn't helpful, especially with more and more teams being, you know, national, much less global teams. Yeah. yeah. So if you if you have a specific place that that's cloud-based to to organize and that has been created to to again take away that friction and organize your systems, it would be there. And then having a, a separate technology, which would be your, your project management software. So something like an Asana, a Monday, a ClickUp, one of those type of softwares that's going to help the accountability. So that's where you have the who does what by when, and then your systems are how do we do what that by then. <laughs> and, and then we have this manual now which is available. It, it has all of our SOPs and everything. And so now is that the origin for the d- different departments to move forward for your HR department, to do training for your sales department, to 
uh, follow the standard operating procedures and how you uh, nurture, you know, prospects and then onboard a new client? Yeah. So we're actually kind of getting now into where we're talking for me about a systems culture. So once we begin to document and have all of these, even a handful of these, these processes in place, and they're, they're in one specific location, you as the business owner can begin to commit and create a, a systems culture. And, and what I mean by a systems culture is simply a culture that values and relies upon systems. Here, here, here's a, an example. So I, I had a, a client recently who had this new product line or offering within their business. It was a, a pool company and they began doing repairs and it was an, this new part of his business that he was starting and it was taking a ton of his time. So when we sat down, I I asked him, I said, okay, what specifically is taking all of your time? What's the biggest time suck here? And instead of pointing out a specific activity, he began describing to me, he said, I'm the best person who has a knowledge both of the pool industry and the systems in a pool, as well as how to deal with a customer. So when we give out a quote and the customer doesn't say yes right away, the team usually calls me in and I'm the one who's able to talk through the the customer and letting them know why we said what we said and why we gave that quote to them so that they can then make the transition into saying, oh, okay, yes, I understand now. Let's buy that. And what, what I heard was he had trained his team. He had created a culture where he was the escalation department. Unknowingly, in his head, he had subconsciously thought, I'm the best person for this job. And he had trained his team to always come to him for escalations. Now, juxtapose that to, to what I'm, I'm working with him to creating. So he has a, a systems culture now. And this the same issue comes up. When that employee comes up to him, the first question I encourage all my business owners to to ask is, have you checked our systems documentation? Is the answer there? If the employee says, yes, I looked there, it's not there, totally fine. Great. Let's find a solution for that. In this example, what he could have done is say, okay, awesome. I'm going to call this client. I'm going to put him on speaker. You take out your phone and record this conversation that I'm going to have with them. He goes, he has that conversation, works it through. Then after that, he has his employee email that video now to what I would call their their systems champion. So a person on their team who's part of their job is updating, creating, and, and identifying new systems. They send that example to them. The systems champion then uses a technology like Calendly to book a time on his calendar to where they can get together. They are on a Zoom call, they share the screen, they watch through that video, and he explains out loud, yes, so when I first get them on the phone, I'm asking them how old the unit is, what specific issues that they've had in the past, how they've been treating and, and using the maintenance on this system, and da 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 He goes through his list that he knows to ask that each client to, to work through that solution. Now, the systems champion takes that, creates a documentation, a step-by-step, hey, answer this question, this question, this question, and puts it into a system. Now, in the future, when that comes up, 
instead of them pulling him into that call every single time, now they go and they have an answer in their systems for that problem. And if they forget and come to him, his first question is, have you checked the systems? And if they say no, he's like, go check the systems, then come back to me if it's not there. And he saved a ton of time and energy. So that's, that's how a system culture begins to, to be ingrained and, and utilized to where it takes less and less time off of the, the, the owner or even the key knowledge worker. Well, so I know a, that was a long answer to a short question. <laughs> that was a great example. Head of the curve here. And <laughs> and so uh, would another way to look for where uh, systems are needed, uh, would that be to look for a bottlenecks in the, in the, in the company? Usually when, when I'm first starting off, I, I will say the best way is to get specific. And one of the ways that, that I'll encourage clients to do that uh, I have a tool uh, that I call the the critical client flow, and it utilizes both the ideal client for that customer and their ideal, uh, if you want to say their 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 ideal offering for that client. So if you can get specific with those two things, and then go through and say, okay, this is if I could have a hundred of these clients, this is who my client is, and this is the offering that I would give to them. Now, what are the steps that I take to find that client, to onboard that client, and so on, all the way down to repeat business, right? I'll go through that process with them because for me, that's going to identify the key systems for them that they need to then go document that's going to ensure that they're going to have more business and more of the type of business that they really want, and then after that, if there are certain places which are bottlenecks, you can begin to identify those places and go back and put those systems in now that you have a foundation laid for the, the systems and processes as a whole. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a different mindset than just looking for the bottlenecks up front. You're really being very positive and proactive and looking for best case scenarios that you can document and repeat. Yeah, because if you're if you're looking just for the bottlenecks or the the squeaky wheels, if you will, it can turn into a uh, uh, you remember that game, it, Whack-A-Mole, that's the name of it, where you're just whacking this mole over here, whacking that mole over there, whacking that mole. Instead of creating a whole cohesive culture and a through line of your business, you're just piecemealing it together and it may or may not come together and they may or may, may not, those systems may or may not help each other. Yeah. I mean, you're, that makes perfect sense. And as you described everything, it, uh, it's very logical. It makes sense. It's easy to understand. I think I think our listeners will really get a lot of value out of it. And um, hey, if it was if it's something you as a listener find that you're ready, if you're at that point, maybe you're maybe you're in the survival situation. And if you if you identified with uh, post-it notes all over your monitor <laughs> and and things tacked on the walls all over the place, then maybe uh, maybe you should stop this podcast and rewind a little bit and write down a few of the few of the key um, uh, key ideas and uh, and the names of some of the software that Joe mentioned and so on. Joe, you seem very organized. You seem like a person who really can <laughs> look at things and uh, and understand you know what comes before and after and put things in the right uh, categories and such. And 
So what brought you to this line of business as opposed to like being, I don't know, like a closet organizer for, you know, for, for an average American family? I mean, there, I've, I know there are people that sell their services to do that. So how did this become your thing? Your Is this your passion? This It has become that. I'll tell you real quick. I have conversations like these quite often, as you might think. And sometimes going into them, the person on the other end of the conversation, if I'm going on a podcast, will yeah. say, okay, systems, it can be a bit of a dry topic. We're, we're going to need to try our best to work through this. <laughs> and it's such a, a side swipe to me because I've, I've seen what it does, how it frees people and their time, how it literally empowers people to empower their team yeah. to work in, in their gifts and, and, and what they do best. And it makes sure that there are clear expectations on both sides, both for what needs to be delivered and, and what the, the, the owner makes sure that there's, there's, you know, none conflict. It, it takes away conflict. So I, I am, I'm really excited and passionate about it. And I'm a weirdo because of it. I know that, uh, you know, my name's Joe. I'm a systemologist. Um, <laughs> Hi, Joe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, listen, um, if you haven't figured out by now, you will by the end of the podcast. Uh, you know, a big part of what we do here is not the actual information that's delivered. It's the, um, it's the between the line stuff, right? Because we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs or people who are in the trenches right now, and they need to listen to these podcasts where people like you uh, share themselves. I mean, you're an entrepreneur, right? You have something that you feel is important and you want to share it with people, obviously. And so there isn't really a dry topic to me. Uh, not that I'm trying to uh, put down anybody else, you know, any other person who's interviewing you at all. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> from my from my point of view, I know I'd mentioned it to you earlier, you know, like I'm a half full, glasses half full guy or a glasses fl overflowing guy. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's exciting to have every, every person here. And, it, you know, we're in the moment and you're exciting. You're a cool guy. People are going to identify with you. And that's a big part of this particular podcast, right? It's the information, uh, but that's only part of it. It's entertainment, inspiration, and and transformation too. It's someone who's going to realize, oh my gosh, Joe was a, is, was a trained thespian and he's actually running a business consulting other businesses. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if Joe could do it, I could do it. <laughs> we didn't tell everybody. Uh, for that. real. We didn't tell everybody what, what your, uh, your college education was yet. So, but, uh, yeah, so I just think it's awesome. Um, and, and I never thought of this as being dry. Um, but let's dig into you a little bit. So I already know your background, but for our listeners, uh, tell us like, uh, I don't know, what, what'd you go to school for? Why did you go to school or did you, and, uh, what did you learn or <laughs> didn't learn? And, and how did that lead you to this? So I know this is kind of a common, uh, podcast interviewers question, but I have some, yeah, well, I have some I, similar I, I, experiences. So <laughs> I, I have a, uh, a through line that I actually just realized as, as you were asking me this, and, and, and I, it might be why I ended up where I am today. I, I started off in, in school as someone who had the paperwork to prove that he was ADD and dyslexic. Oh. And so being maybe a glutton for punishment, I, Wait, I was whoa, in theater. All right, stop. Hold it, hold it, hold it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. ADD and dyslexic. And you help people create systems well, and exactly. processes. Well, but, what the, yes, what be, the heck, Joe? Be, the, 
And this is what I, I, I realized and I recognize it because I would have said for myself, I am the last person that should be doing this. Well, I would have said this that is... too if I hadn't heard your examples. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, but, I, and I've, I, I've actually had conversations. And in fact, a couple of months ago, I was at a, a business conference and I was talking to someone who I met there and he was sharing about his son who had a, a technology business. So he goes into businesses and helps them set up their, their networks and their systems and everything. And he's been able to build this thing out. And the reason he was sharing with me is because his son is, is also very dyslexic. But because of that, when he realized the value of having a checklist and, and, and seeing how that was able to, to help him, once he had that tool for himself in his own life, then he was able to apply that to his business. And it, it's been one of the key factors in helping him to, to build his business. And it, it wasn't until talking to him that the light bulb went off in my head. I was like, oh, that's why I lean into this so much is because I need this so much, probably more than the average person. I, I, I need these systems and processes. I, I hate structure because I'm creative, but I, I love it because I know the value that it, it brings to me. And when I embrace that and it has its right place in my life, then it bears a ton of fruit. So that's that it all that to say is 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 yes i i am <laughs> my name is joe newton i'm <laughs> add and dyslexic positive but it's it's probably the best thing to help me become the right person to, to help someone with systems and process because i value it so highly well that makes sense too you know it works right yeah all right yeah, exactly so, so you took all you took those credentials to college yeah did, I took did those. It, were you reluctantly admitted somewhere or what what happened <laughs> I know this is a long time ago for you. You're not like just in your early twenties or anything. So, yeah, yeah. When I cast my mind back, um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I actually I went to community college for two years. I was very blessed in that locally we have an awesome community college here with a theater program that had first class uh, people directing it, and tons of people have gone out from there to to go to Juilliard and other places and. So I, I got to start off in, in community college, and then I applied for a bunch of different colleges all over the United States. I ended up at the University of Minnesota, which I know the Golden Gophers are an intimidating mascot, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I became a Golden Gopher uh, because I had a, a friend actually go up from high school. She went up there and I said, Katie, why did you decide to go to Minnesota? She said, Joe. They have circus training. And I I looked at her and I said, Katie, that is the stupidest reason I've ever heard of for choosing a college. <laughs> well, but not after if, not if I want to be in the circus. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. I, I, and and years later, I, I, I was totally wrong in saying that. <laughs> but I, I went up and and visited the the college. I found out it was connected with a, an amazing regional theater, the Guthrie Theater. If you ever see me. Uh, on a, a live video call, I, I have a picture of it behind me. But I, yeah, I, I went up there and just saw how awesome the program was, and that it was focused on language and Shakespeare. And they do have a one semester circus training class, which was really fun, by the way. Uh, but uh, that's that's kind of how I, I I ended up in in Minnesota. 
uh, was was through a friend there and uh, beginning by thoroughly mocking it. Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh, what were you taking? What were you studying there? Not, system, yeah, I, not I was, systems and processes. Not systems and processes. In fact, I thought about getting a minor in business, but I found out that you had to take additional math courses, yeah. of which my last college class was actually the high school equivalent of Algebra 2 because I had taken another option in high school, so I had to check that off. So once I found out that you had to take something like statistics or something like that, I said, you know what? I don't know if I need that business minor after all. I, I, so I focused uh, entirely on classical acting. So if you think Shakespeare, Moliere, all, all of the type of theater that uses heightened language yeah. is, is what I spent four years focused on, along with circus and clown and, and all of those other fun classes that you get to pretend like you're a banana while others are doing math. <laughs> I teach some of those classes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I had a lot better time in college myself, but hey, you oh. know, to each his own. Yeah, I hated, uh, pretty much hated college. I took a lot of private. Uh, I know I had mentioned to you that I have a background in improv, and it started in Toastmasters, which is, uh, you know, kind of in the back door, but that's the reality <laughs> of it. And I went on to to get some high-level training and uh, started sharing what I knew with other people and started a, I still use those skills today. It's it's amazing. So what was the transition? Where was the transition point from, uh, from Shakespeare to, uh, gee, I want to run a business training people? <laughs> yeah, we went from uh, college. I, I graduated from college. I told myself I was never moving back to Texas and I was never going to have a desk job again. And quickly after that, God said, ha. And even though I had a visa to go live and work in London, of which I'd studied there before. So I was planning on going over there, living there. And 2008 happened. For those of your younger audience, if you Google 2008 crash, there was a, a pretty big shift that happened in our economy at that time. And all of my friends who I was going to go over there and live with dropped out. So I said, okay, that's not going to happen right now. I have a plane ticket to go back to Dallas for the summer. I was going to work and then go to London. I said, hey, I'm going to go back, work there for the summer. Then I'll go to Chicago, which was my, my ultimate plan. But when I got back to Dallas, I had a, a buddy of mine who said, hey, what would you think about starting a, a theater company? And I said, in Dallas? He said, yeah. I said, no way. I'm not staying here. But a, a handful of events happened from his very wealthy aunt and uncle saying, we'll throw a party with all of our rich friends to fundraise for you. We got a lawyer for free that helped us create a 501c3. And a bunch of old friends from high school theater showed up and said, we'd love to be a part of this. And before I knew it, I was stuck back in Dallas. I, I used stuck loosely, but uh, I, I was back in Dallas. I was running a 501c3 that was doing education, uh, teaching in high schools and uh, summer workshops and creating our own art. And, and that's how I got brought back to Dallas. And that was really my first introduction in running any type of a, a company. And then without going into too much detail, because I'm sure your listeners probably have other things to do, but <laughs> I fast forward a, a handful of years, I was running a, a specialty coffee shop. I had gone from uh, basically barista to the general manager in a, in a handful of months. And I figured out that the best thing that they could do was hand off half of my job to an outside accountant. 
and hand the other of it to my number two guy who I'd raised up to to run the day-to-day operations and then save about half of my salary. And so they took that offer uh, and decided to do that. I needed to figure out what to do next. And my wife said, hey, you've always been talking about business or not business, uh, real estate. Why don't you go do that? Why don't you get your real estate license? So I, I got my real estate license and then quickly began to learn uh, that business is hard. And I, I feel like I tried to fail in each and every way that I, I could possible on how not to do business. I <laughs> had a flipping company that didn't flip one property. I paid off a, a business partner to, to walk away and give me my equity back. I, I had a year where I, I lost a ton of money, but eventually, uh, eventually I was able to figure it out. And I learned about systems and read great books like the E-Myth and Traction and uh, was able to to get where I am today. So that that's sort of my 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 long journey from college into to to business today. I love it. Lots of little steps along the way, some big ones too. And uh, um, uh, like you said, God had d- different plans at one point, and so you never <laughs> you know you <clears throat> you kind of have to uh, accept life with an open mind and you know, look for opportunities as they come. I think you described the experience of a lot of entrepreneurs. You know, they've done a lot of different things. Uh, many of them haven't panned out or they, whether it's working for somebody else or trying, you know, different types of businesses, uh, haven't gotten the return that they wanted, either the fulfillment or the money or what have you. So this is really important for for our aspiring uh, business owners to hear this stuff, you know, it's, it's not a straight line, um, but you yeah. have, but you have to, but there has to be that driving uh, force. You have to either just kind of love the process of running a business, or you have to have that purpose in mind, you know, that, that core sort of driving uh, force that uh, your why, I guess that serves your why, right. That, um, yeah, that you're going, you're going to, you're going to do what you have to do and learn what you have to learn and, and put people in place to do the things that you can't do and to make, you know, to make it happen. So, um, yeah, so it's a great, it's a great explanation of what you've done and, and where you've been. Part of the reason we have this podcast is so our listeners don't have to do what you and I did, which was, <laughs> which was to fail at Amen. all these things. <laughs> right? Do as I say, not as I did. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you know, you learn a lot with your a quote. I put failure in quotes, but you know, dead ends or whatever. Right. The things yeah. That, things I, they're that, learning opportunities. Th- yeah. That's what I call them too. Yeah, definitely. But uh, uh, gosh, if you know, if you can eliminate a few of them from your, from your, from your journey, <laughs> uh, gosh, learn from us and uh, you know, avoid some of those things. Uh, do it the easy way, not like we did. <laughs> yeah, that is the great thing about learning from other people is that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. That's that's one of the things, whether it's systems yeah. or not. There are so many models out there, and there are so many, especially now in 2021. Look at all the different ways you can get on YouTube and, and find out how to do almost anything. So it's it's a great time to to be able to learn from other people and and to get to skip a couple of these steps. I have a a system for creating systems, which utilizes the kind of best practices yeah. that, that I have when creating documentation, and, and I'm happy to to share that. With, with you and, and your audience. That sounds great. Where's that available? Like eijsystems.com slash going boldly. Well, as I said, I love, uh, I love your experiences. They're great. I like the fact that you were a trained actor and, uh, I wish we could do some improv together. I guess this is an improv, really. This this is what we're doing here. We're just kind of specific style. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's called a conversational improvisation. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, you're obviously good at carrying on a conversation, and I guess you're using that skill with your own podcast as well. Now, we are a secular, if you will, a secular podcast, but um, I'm happy to uh, promote and talk about anything. You have a podcast called The Eternal Entrepreneur. And one of the things that I found interesting, which I'm hoping you'll explain, not only the name, <laughs> but also there was a quote, if God is thinking generationally, how can I partner with that? So there's some talking points for you right there, Joe. <laughs> yeah, the, the Eternal Entrepreneur, it's a podcast that's been going about a year. And the heart behind it is both myself and, and Pierce, the, the co-host, want to empower entrepreneurs to create profitable, excellent businesses, but also be able to actively partner with God in their business. And what you just shared, thinking about the, the legacy point of view, it, it might be some other language that, that I'd put around it, is how do we create something that's going to impact those after us? And I think a, a business is an amazing way to do that, whether it's something that you hand off to your children after you, so your specific legacy that way, or if we see in, in our culture, business owners, and, and if we're just honest, money is influence in, in a lot of ways, not necessarily saying you're, you're paying people off with your money, but if you have or, or create money or what businesses are, which are opportunities, bring value into the economy, that gets you a certain kind of influence. It gets you an excuse to be on amazing podcasts like this one. And so through business, you have an opportunity to get to influence other people and leave a legacy, to leave an impact, whatever that is specifically for you, what's on your heart. Like my heart, my vision is right. to empower 10,000 entrepreneurs to run excellent businesses while actively partnering with God. And through my personal business, I get to help them with the business side of that. And through the podcast, I get to help them with the the God side of that. So that's that's a little bit kind of riffing off those uh, those talking points. Yeah, that's excellent. I love it. And so uh, the t the name of the the name of the podcast again is the Eternal Entrepreneur. Um, available wherever podcasts are sold, Where, all the places, <laughs> yeah, <it's free. laughs> iTunes, Spotify. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me too. All right, and it's free. I'm assuming it's a free podcast, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. I haven't ventured into that new fancy uh, Apple yeah. pay me to podcast. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> so, Joe, uh, we have a bunch of listeners here who've been inspired by you and maybe some need your services right now. What's the profile of your ideal client and what kind of a budget are, are you talking about? What do they need to start working with you? Yeah, the, the person that I can help the most, I, I kind of described it at the beginning, yes. is that small business owner who has a handful of, of key knowledge workers or key employees. Maybe even that's only a VA, an admin, and a salesperson, but they, they have a handful of employees that, that work with them, up to the person who maybe has 40 or 50 employees. And usually there's some sort of a service-based business and that's the, those are the people that, that I can then help the most. When it comes to budget, I, I try to create something that, that's formed to your budget. Yeah. Uh, on, I, for, for my specific, when it comes to systemology, I, I help people with, uh, which is the, the framework. I don't know if I mentioned that. It's the framework that I use to, to help people create systems. And uh, with 
with Systemology, I, I have a do-it-yourself option, a do-it-with-you option, and a done-for-you option, which is you know concierge all the way. Nice. And the do-it-yourself is the the lowest, and it has uh, an online course that you can do. But even cheaper than that, if if especially for those people who might not fit that specific profile, we have a book. It's on Amazon. It's called Systemology. You can probably get it for nine bucks on Kindle or one credit on Audible. That that's going to be the the greatest way to to enter into this. And then above that, the the course. I think it's around a thousand seven hundred for a year's worth of time. And that also comes hand in hand with a software called System Hub that helps you to organize your your systems. That would be the the next step up, and then from there it gets more and more more tailored. But th- those would be the intro options that I would encourage for the smaller people. And if you are some of the not higher end, but if you are those people who think, "Hey, I need something that's a little more uh, tailored to my business," feel free to to go to my website eijsystems.com, schedule a call. I'm happy to answer any and everyone's questions, but. I can share with you how I might be able to specifically tailor something to to you and your business and your budget. Okay, great. So they can contact you through that, eijsystems.com. You also have a freebie. It, it's a system for creating systems, if I understood what you said. Is it like a white paper or a booklet? or it's uh, I, I utilize System Hub for, for my systems, and I've created a the, the system for creating systems, and it is a PDF version of that system so that you can see the documentation and, and the links to some of the videos that are on there for how, how to walk through that. Okay, great. And that's at eijsystems.com forward slash going boldly. I love that. Yes. All right. And, and, and I'll put a link on that same website for if anyone okay. from this audience wants to reach out to me and contact me. I'll put a special link for there too, for y'all to set up a, a call if you'd like. All right. That's great. And you're also on LinkedIn under, uh, or as Joseph Newton. Correct. The website's the the okay. best place to, to reach out to me and, gotcha. and schedule a Zoom call there. Cause All that right. has my calendar and is the easiest way. Perfect. Yeah. Super. Well, listen, um, this has been great, Joe. I, I am so excited that I met you and, um, I have a couple of projects that they actually start generating some money. I, I might have to call you because I am very creative and I can, I can get a box full of stuff and uh, throw it on the floor and make something interesting out of it. <laughs> but figuring out the process as to what to do with it afterwards isn't necessarily my strong suit. <laughs> and uh, so I appreciate meeting you. And it's interesting how different people are brought to you. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. and, and this may be one of those situations, but, uh, but I do, I, I genuinely have enjoyed talking with you and very excited about what you're doing. I hope it keeps growing for you. And I, I can see the value in it for a lot of our listeners, right? They are kind of at that. There are, there are many of them, I'm sure at that point where they're, they've getting out of that survival mode. They've got, the, they've got some things working. There's post-it notes everywhere. They need to hire people to help. And, uh, it's a, it's a tough transition to pass a lot of those responsibilities off. So this is a, this is a wonderful way to do that and get some help from you. Gosh, even just, uh, you know, get that PDF, right. And get, make, make that, yeah. con- make that contact with you. And, and I'm sure you'll make some suggestions. And if they seem like a great, you know, potential client that you'll be able to help them. Oh, I need to do a breakaway just real quick and give a shout out to Will, Tom and Nate. They're three young guys who own parlorcityfurniture.com. Um, they're just killing it over there and they're now a sponsor of the podcast, which is awesome. They're helping me outfit a new video studio, and I have a cool standing desk. 
It's motorized, goes from seated to standing. There's pre-recorded or pre-programmed positions also. Um, and we're going to be doing some upgrades in the podcast studio too. So they're super motivated, super cool. Uh, they want to help you. They're very excited about their business. They ship globally. You can find out more at parlorcityfurniture.com. Back to the show. So we are not done. It's almost time for the questions. You probably thought you were done because we went long. We're almost at an hour already. I'll have to edit this back down a little. But um, um, you have time for the questions, Joe? Of course. Yeah, right. I'm still good. Awesome. Stand by. It's time to answer the questions. I double dare you. All right. Well, we've come to the point in our interview where uh, we go to the questions. And uh, Joe has agreed to answer the questions today. He has no idea <laughs> that we that we do the questions or even what they're about. But uh, he's game. He's had some acting training as well. I assume there was some improvisation in there, even though you were forced to memorize um, uh, Shakespeare and others. Um, <laughs> question number one. <laughs> If you could talk with any famous person, dead or alive, who would it be? Why would you want to talk with them? And what would you talk about? Man, I don't, it's a good thing you can edit. I was pauses. going to say, I don't um, know him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've just got to go with the, uh, uh, yeah. uh, the, the obvious uh, Jesus love and answer. I, I'd love to sit and talk with Jesus. I would love just to hear him talk about um what's wonderful what gets him excited and uh how how i can better become more like him and uh you know be less more selfless and 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 love other people better that's a great answer hey you know what i just want i just want to mention something here um obviously you're a believer right and but i hope so yeah (laughs) some people aren't right but D- Jesus was an amazing person here on earth and his, te- and his teachings. And I say this often, I, if you distill the teachings down to one word, it's love, right? Love yourself, yeah. love yourself, love other people. And that informs all of your thoughts and activities from there. So it's really not that complicated. And wouldn't the right. world, wouldn't the world, be, <laughs> is it? <laughs> it isn't, right? <laughs> super easy, but super hard. <laughs> right. right. It's, it's very simple. Uh, but it's not, so, there it's you not, go. it's, it's yeah. not an easy thing to enact, but it's very simple. Right. And yes. yeah. So yes. you don't have to be a brainiac to understand what we should be doing. And it totally makes sense. So whether you, be, whether you believe Jesus was the son of God or not, I'm just trying to make a point that yeah. you could be agnostic and still follow Jesus teachings. Cause it makes a lot of sense. And especially, it's true. especially yeah. if you just think just love. Yeah. Just be, be selfish and yeah. put others above yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> number two, who do people tell you that you look like? When I was super little, it was Opie. And then once I hit about middle school, the person I've gotten the most is Kevin Bacon. Oh, really? Do the people make you dance and stuff or what? If they do, then that's where they're solely disappointed, and the uh, the, the similarity goes. I've had ten years of dance training, oh, that's funny. Uh, but uh, no rhythm has has stayed. Oh, rhythm is not teachable. I don't believe. I, I've been trying to tell my teachers that for a lot of years. Uh, no matter how much my wife would hope that would be different. All right. Question number three: What's one amazing thing about where you live and work that you want the whole world to know? And it's kind of implied that maybe they don't know it already. 
I, I live in, and work uh, in Frisco, Texas, which is outside of Dallas, Texas, most likely the, the city that you and your listeners have probably actually heard of. And uh, Texas, I think, is just, I, it, it's quick backstory. When I left Texas and went to Minnesota, I don't know what it is about Texans, but our pride grows tenfold when we leave the, the state. And, and Texas is, is such a, a wonderful place, I think partly because everyone is generally really friendly on, on the day-to-day. There's a lot of friendliness here. But fun fact, we have every single type of climate. So there's desert here, there's forest, there's mountains. There even in Galveston is one square mile of rainforest, uh, Moody Gardens. So we have every type there. So interesting fact that you might not know. All right. Now, I didn't know that about the rainforest. Is this an artificial rainforest or in a in a, a atrium of some sort or what? What's the Th- story? Thanks there? for pointing that out, Russ. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. I was thinking, well, I was I was thinking maybe it was possible if it was, you know, what? I don't know. Yeah, it's, no, it's, cause it's not, an artificial, uh, yeah. It's in a big pyramid. I guess that was a glass pyramid. That was obvious, right? But then I was thinking, well, if you're at the southern tip, but then you know, obviously you're in Frisco. So, sorry. (laughs) See, that was that was dumping the box on the floor right there. I was figuring out. I was figuring out a way that there could be a natural rainforest in Texas. Although I already know that the only one is in uh, United States. I think it might. Is it Puerto Rico? You know, let's just re-record, and I'm going to answer with yes. It's it's a natural <laughs> one. Texas has it. One of them. If yeah. we put it out there enough, <laughs> <laughs> somebody will tell us we don't know what we're talking about. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, let's see, where are we now? Oh, question number four, Joe. I provide uh, going boldly entrepreneur success coaching. Are are you game for a couple of, uh, coaching questions? Sure, I'll live on the edge. All right. Why not? What's the biggest uh, internal uh, obstacle that looms largest for you? On the day to day, it's getting my mind to accept and believe that there are enough opportunities out there for me for my ideal, ideal client. Oh. That's something that I, uh, luckily I, I have a, a friend who's up in your next to the woods, actually, uh, New Jersey, yeah. who's a, uh, a coach specifically focusing on the, the mental side of things with, with entrepreneurs. And he slapped me around a couple of months ago being like, if you feel like this is who you're really supposed to to serve the best, Joe, you need to believe that those opportunities are there and, and why are you believe in those lies? So that would be the the biggest internal for me is is that is keeping that in my heart. Interesting. Do you want to give a shout out to coach? Go ahead. Yeah, Kieran Linehan is his name and he has uh, a podcast as well. So you work with your coach. What uh, what do you do about it to uh, overcome that? So he helped me go deep with getting to the root of like, what do you really believe and why are you believing that? And is it real or not? So at a, at a, at a high level, and this was a whole long two yeah, hour sure. conversation, yeah. I think with the, the, the two of us going into, okay, what are you really believing? What do you really want? These are, com- um, these but are digging very, down into the Joe, these are very common, um, uh, internal things, you know, yeah. this internal dialogue. Common, the interesting right? thing for me was realizing that it's one of those, if you had asked me up front, yeah. was that really the problem? I might not have said yes, but when I dug down into it, it was like, okay, I really don't believe that there are 
enough opportunities out there. And this was when I was more first yeah. starting off and trying to to get connected to to new opportunities. Sure. But once I was able to make that switch and say, you know what, I'm going to commit and remind myself that yes, there are enough. It, it made a big difference for me in, in the action that I took. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and if you look at this as statistics, there's <laughs> there's multiple millions of opportunities that are exactly exactly, exactly your potential that are specifically that's what he did. He brought that up. Your yeah. potential client. <laughs> Especially He was like, even if we just give it, you know, how many millions and we cut that down, we throw half of those away. All right. Uh, Five hundred thousand. Can you work with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like let's be as, let's be exactly as conservative if as possible. If we only if we only think about potential entrepreneurs within a hundred mile radius of where you live. <laughs> Even in the middle right, of Texas, one arms and high, missing a pinky. Yeah, we still we still got uh, two hundred thousand or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> now you got to find them, or better yet, have them find you, which is what we're doing now. <laughs> so that's great. Hey, thanks for playing, Joe. I appreciate it. Um, as I said, you know, p- people learn a lot listening to these podcasts, right? There's just so much to absorb, read between the lines, get inspired, educated. Hopefully we've entertained people enough that they hang out, you know, <laughs> and haven't, <laughs> haven't, uh, pressed fast forward or, or delete <laughs> or unsubscribed even worse. <laughs> so, um, but you know, not every pot, not every episode's a winner, but I think this is a good one. So I thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much for, you know, spending your time and being able to kind of goof around a little bit. This is a, this is serious business for you and me. Like we really want to help people. Like that's what we do. Right? Yeah. That's our passion. We take it very seriously. And I used to tell people that with improv too. I take my comedy very seriously. <laughs> the like, best ones do. <laughs> you know, it's been a fun Joe. Thank you very much. appreciate it. You know, it's been great. And uh, hopefully we can stay connected. And you were very uh, generous to offer that uh, PDF for our, our listeners. And I'm going to get it too and check it out. Thank you for the the opportunity for having me on. And please, if anyone, if you're listening, part of the reason I think that Russ has done this podcast is that you would know that you're not alone and that there are other people out there who want to help you. Don't let yourself be the lone wolf. Don't try to figure out everything yourself. Please reach out to me, reach out to Russ, find a friend, get up part of a, a mastermind group, but, but don't, don't let yourself be isolated and, and lose hope. You, you're going to, you're going to do this. Just, just stay connected and you're, you're going to win in the end. Oh, very wise words. Yep. I agree. All right. Thanks, Joe. We're out. That concludes another episode of going boldly. I hope you were entertained and you discovered at least one nugget of wisdom or advice that you can put into action immediately, or maybe you received some inspiration from today's episode. And I'm certain you know at least one person who needs this podcast. Please share it with them. You might be the important link that will change their life for the better. Subscribing means you will not miss an episode. And it will make it easier for me to schedule guests because I can show them that the audience is growing. So please subscribe. It will benefit us all. Let me know how I can make this show even better. Leave a comment and send me a DM. I read everyone personally, and I do my best to respond to each and every one. As a thank you, I'll be awarding prizes. And to keep you on your toes, the winners will be randomly selected from names I find in the comments, shares, DMs, and from the list of subscribers. Prizes might be Going Boldly merch or products supplied by my guests, or just something random and fun. But you have to comment, share, DM, or subscribe to be eligible to win. A special thanks to Brenna Swanger at Waverly Manor Studios for our great theme music. 
And finally, thanks for listening. Go boldly, keep at it, and wash your hands.